Hello and welcome to the podcast at Chesbro Baptist Church. It's been a little while since we've had a podcast. Um, I can't do Facebook Live with my phone and podcast at the same time, so we took a little two-month hiatus, but we're going to begin back with our podcast. We're starting a new Sunday morning series called I Will Honor God. The title of the message this morning is Them That Honor Me. Please enjoy. All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2, 1 Samuel chapter 2 this morning. We're going to begin a new series here this morning that will be in for the next few weeks. Now, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, I'm going to take a break from this series next week if we're able to meet in the auditorium because I have a special message that I want to preach our first Sunday back in the auditorium. But we are going to start a new series this morning. Uh, that will stay in forever how long the Lord God tells us to stay in it. Uh, but the title of this series is I Will Honor God. I Will Honor God. And that is the title of the series. We're going to explore this question of I Will Honor God. What exactly does that mean? What does it mean to honor God in this day and time in which we live? Because let me tell you, right now we're living in some crazy times. Who would ever thought this is how we would have church, you know? What does it mean to honor God? Now, we're going to start out this morning by reading one verse, and uh, the verse is 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 30. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 30. And uh, we're going to start, we're going to just read one verse, and that's verse number 30. The Bible says, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me. For them that honor me will I honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. The title of the message this morning is them that honor me. Them that honor me. Let's pray one last time. Dear gracious heavenly Father, Lord, I beg the Spirit of God on this place today. Lord, I pray that you'd clear our, mi our minds and our hearts to accept the Word of God and to get it inside of us, Lord, so we can learn this thing of honoring you. It's one of the most important things we can do with our life. Lord, I pray that you'd clear out all the distractions, Lord, and all the fears and all the worries, and just help us to focus on the Word of God this morning. Thank you for all you've done for us. Be with our message today. Be with our service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <coughs> now, how I want to start out this morning is I want to start out talking about a cattle gate. At my papa's house, there's a wrought iron gate that leads into 100 acres of pasture land. And it's just a wrought iron gate. It's got a, his last name was Sterling, so it's got a circle S on it. It's been through many colors. It's been red. It's been gray. It's been painted many different colors. But the thing about it is, is throughout the entire time that my papa has had that land, that, that gate has been a fixture. Many things have, have, have been throughout the years. You look at every, any picture of my papa's house and that gate is there. When my papa passed away, my uncle 
uh, my uncle inherited the land and things have changed and and uh, barns have, that used to be there are torn down and new ones were built up in its place and the old grist mill that used to be there is gone but and now a, a, a kitchen slash fellowship hall has been built there in its place to have family functions at and even my uncle even put a cattle gap in going into the pasture now if you know anything about a cattle gap once you have a cattle gap you don't need a gate anymore because that cattle gap is going to keep the cows in there. But my uncle, he kept the gate. Now, me and my, kid, me and my, my cousins, we used to go and play on the gate. And, and we, we'd go and we'd climb on it. We'd sit on the gate. We'd be seven, eight years old sitting on the gate contemplating life. And, you know, we were seven, eight years old. And we called it the thinking gate because uh, Charlie Brown and Linus would go and they'd lean on that wall and just contemplate life. And so here we are, seven, eight, nine years old, going, sitting out on this gate and contemplating life. And, uh, you know, and so, but the thing is, is my uncle, he could have got rid of that gate. He didn't need it there anymore. <coughs> but he kept it. He kept it as a way to honor his father's memory. And it's still there today, honoring my grandfather. Like I said, in this series, what I want to explore for the next few weeks what I want to explore is this phrase, I will honor God. I want to explore that. What exactly does that mean? What does it mean for our lives today? As we explore this phrase, I will honor God, we're going to use the Bible as a guide to help us understand what it means to honor God. We're going to look at real life stories of people who honored God and people who didn't honor God. And we're going to learn some things from that. We're going to see the difference between the two. We're going to see the difference between honoring God and honoring yourself. You know, we've studied the book of Judges before and Judges was a very dark time in Israel's history. A very dark time. In fact, the last, the very last words of Judges in Judges 2, 21, 25, the very last words are, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, unfortunately, these words are the theme of the book of Judges. You see this throughout all the entire book of Judges. I say this constantly about Judges. When, you're the, hero, when the heroes of your book are Gideon and the heroes of your book are Samson, you've got problems. You've got problems. And by the way, if you want an amen and you're sitting behind a horn, you can give a, give a horn amen. That's fine. It's the amen. I'm good deal. So, uh, but you know, when, when your heroes in your book are Gideon and, and your heroes are Samson, you've got problems. As we examine this book, however, we find the story of a childless woman named Hannah. Hannah wants more than anything else. She wants a child. <coughs> but up to this point, she's barren. So Hannah goes to the temple and she goes to the temple to, to ask God and she goes to the temple in Silo to pray for a child. She's kneeling at the altar and she's weeping, she's, she's weeping bitterly before God and, 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 and she requests that God would, would give her a son. And she said, God, if you give me a son, I will give that son back to you. As she's kneeling there and she's praying, the, priest, the Bible says that the priest Eli looked over and marked her mouth. 
for she was moving her mouth, praying to God, and no words were coming out. So she walked over, uh, the priest walked over to Hannah and, and told her not to be drunk in the house of God. He didn't know she was praying. Now, it very well could be that Eli was so backslidden from God, he forgot what it was to pray. It was a very good possibility of that, probably because he had never done it before. So as she explains to this wicked priest her prayer request, this priest assures her that her prayer will be answered by God. Now, it's interesting to note here that Hannah promised to give the child back to God. And in doing this, Hannah gives us an example to follow. What we're going to talk about this morning is we're going to talk about the differences between honoring God and honoring ourselves. Now, for each, each main point is going to have two points to it. So here's the first part of point number one. Honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. Honoring God involves uh, presenting our best to the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse number 24. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one epap of flour and one bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young and they slew a bullock. And brought the child to Eli. And she said, O Lord, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by ye here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I have prayed. And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. The Lord heard Hannah. The Lord granted her request. He answered her prayer. But, you know, Hannah realized something here that, that we must keep in the forefronts of our minds. If we are ever going to honor God with our lives, we have to remember what Hannah remembered here. Hannah knew that, that, that what she had to offer was only that which God had already given her. That's all she had to honor God with. All she had was what God had already given her. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 14, Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord thy God, the earth also with all that is therein. Everything already belongs to him. We already know this. This isn't some, this isn't some new news to you. He owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So now I want to look, I want to read you James 1.17. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I want you to remember something today, Christian. I want you to remember that goodness cannot come from your flesh. Goodness cannot come from the world. Goodness cannot come from the people in the world. Any and all and everything good in your life comes from God. You know, sometimes something may seem to be good, but actually it really isn't. Actually it isn't. 
No, it's amazing. You see some of these people, they win the Powerball, they win the lottery, and then they say, oh, the Lord blessed me. I, I got the Powerball. The Lord has blessed me. Really? The Lord blessed you? Winning. Do you think the Lord blesses gambling? I don't think so. It may seem to be good, but more than likely, this is a temptation that will be used for your destruction. Then the verse says in James, it says, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let me tell you something this morning, Christian. Every good, every good gift comes from God, and that fact will never change because God will never change. Like the sun and like the moon and like the stars, they will not ever change. And I remember at North Pike Middle School, and I remember going out uh, from shop class when it was time for a solar eclipse. And they'd give us that welding glass, and we'd hold that welding glass up to the eclipse so we could look at it. No, sometimes during a solar eclipse, depending on where you are on the earth, the sun can be blotted out by the moon shadow. But that does not mean that the sun has changed. It does not mean that somehow the sun is gone. No, the sun is still there because the sun will never change. Sometimes a shadow is going to come in your life. And that shadow is going to keep you from seeing God working. But you remember that he is still there and he will never change. And just because you can't see him doesn't mean that he isn't there. If the sun was really gone during a solar eclipse, we would freeze to death. If the sun actually disappeared. Just because you can't see God working in your life now doesn't mean that he isn't. Every good gift comes from God. But then we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 28. And there's an interesting word here in this verse. The word Lent is very interesting. I mean, Hannah understands that everything already belongs to God. So why in the world, if she knew this fact, would she say, I will lend my son to the Lord? I will, I will lend him. You see, what, you know, what, what does that mean? That word lent in verse 28, it actually means it means to offer upon request. And it has the sense of it of an investment. Yes, everything we have ultimately belongs to God. But I am a steward of it. What am I, what am I to do? I'm to reinvest those things back in the Lord. Why? Because the Lord always pays out. The Lord always pays out. Investing in God is a sure thing. You might even call it insider trading, but you're not going to get locked up with Martha Stewart. Okay? And it may be considered insider trading because you know if you invest in God, you will reap a reward. Whatever I have is available to God. That's the attitude we need to have. Our plans, our friends, our talents, anything. When I lend these things to the Lord, that mighty investment will not return in vain. So honoring God is presenting our best to him. Second part of, of point number one, whereas honoring self involves keeping back the best for our pleasure. Whereas honoring self involves keeping back the best for our pleasure. First Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse number 12. 
Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand. And he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. And all that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, then take as much as thy soul desireth. Then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it to me now, for if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. For men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now, Belial was a pagan god. And the word Belial actually means worthless. Do you know why the sons of Eli were worthless? They were worthless because they thought they were worth so much. In fact, they thought they were worth so much that they began to keep back that which clearly belonged to God. Now, many sacrifices were brought to the tabernacle. A portion was given to God, a portion was given to the priest, and a portion was given back to the person who brought the offering. Now, according to the Old Testament scriptures, when somebody gave an offering, the priest was to get, uh, the, the priest was to get a part of the breast and a part of the shoulder. That's what the Word of God says. But some 400 years after the law of Moses was given, somehow the custom had changed and to putting a hook into the pot and whatever you got, whatever you pulled out is what you got to take. Now, this was already against the word of God. Hey, but the sons of Eli, they took it even further. They took it even further. They went beyond this. You see, the portion that was to be given to God was always given first so it's wrong to take the priest portion before they burn the fat now as any good cook will tell you fat is the flavor man when i get a ribeye i want some good marbling in there i want the fat in there man that's that's a good piece of steak my wife she doesn't like fat in her steak we're gonna have her committed see what's going on there but, you know, uh, uh, we need some good marbling, a ribeye steak with some good fat in it. You know, uh, the reason why they, they so that they took they took their portion, you know, and even back then, fat was the most luxurious part. It was the most luxurious part of the animal. And since God always got his portion first, God uh, God got the best. But the sons of Eli took their portion before the fat was burned. They didn't want sodden meat. They didn't want boiled meat. They didn't want boiled meat. Why? Number one, you can't prepare boiled meat any way you want to. And number two, you couldn't resell it. See, they were reselling it and pocketing the profits. It got so bad that the men of Israel hated to go to the tabernacle and they hated to give the offering of God. They despised going to the temple because of these wicked, wicked priests. Horrible situation. What I want you to notice is that I want you to notice the difference between Hannah's offering 
and the sons of Eli's offering. See, the sons of Eli, they believed that God owed them something. They thought, oh, just because I'm serving God, that both God and man are indebted to me. God had clearly laid out provision for them, yet Hopni and Phinehas said, God's provision is insufficient. So we're going to rob God and get what we deserve, what we believe our portion is. They probably thought to themselves, man, I'm going to church. I'm, I'm, I've given my life in service to God. In this area of my life, I can do what I want to do. God will understand. You can't honor God by holding back the best for yourself. You can't honor God that way. You only honor God by taking the best you have and lending it to him and reinvesting it in him. Let me ask you a question this morning, Christian. What area of your life are you holding back from God? Your finances, your marriage, a certain sin? Maybe it's a decision that, 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 that you don't want God to make the decision. You want to make the decision. You want to handle it the way you want to handle it. So instead, you're going you're gonna to make that decision and say, God, I'm going to make this decision in my life and just I hope you can turn it into your will, but I'm going to make the decision in my life. That's holding back the best for you. Maybe God is convicting you to do something that you know you should do, but out of selfishness, you want to handle the situation your own way instead of God's way. Just because you're Christian and just because you go to church doesn't mean you get to cherry pick what you hand over to God. That's not what that means. Number two, honoring God means that I must keep him as the one that I please. Honoring God means I must keep him as the one that I please. 1 Samuel 1.28, and he worshiped the Lord there. 1 Samuel 2.11, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. You know, it's funny how we see that Samuel's focus was continually on God. Samuel's focus was entirely on God. And to, to tell you the truth, it's not surprising to tell you the truth, it's not surprising. Worship was a continual characteristic in this entire family. I mean, you go back to, you go back to verse 3. And this man went up out of his city. This is Samuel's father. Yearly to worship to the sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. 1 Samuel 1.19 And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. It's no wonder that Samuel continued on this tradition of worshiping God because he saw mama and daddy doing it. Even in a difficult situation, Hannah was praising the Lord. You know, praising God on the day you give your little son away may not be easy, but it is praise that God is pleased with. I want to read you a verse. This is Hebrews 13, 15. It says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice, the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Let's talk about this verse just for a second. First, I want you to, I want you to see that praise that pleases God first is offered by him. It's offered by him, meaning that our praise is through the Son. 
Nothing pleases God more than praying and worshiping in the name of Jesus. The reason why we are to praise and pray in Jesus' name. This is how we please God, is if we lift up the name of Jesus. Do not be afraid of the name Jesus. Say proudly that Jesus is God. And you know, we see some, uh, some, some politicians. Uh, I remember we, we were going to, uh, we were uh, at, a, at a Bible college, and we went to the, to the, to the uh, state capital of Indiana, and, and this local pastor got up to pray, and we were all wondering what he was going to say. And he got up and he said, dear God. And we kind of looked at each other and we said, man, we are up there. We would have said, dear Jesus, do not be afraid of the name of Jesus Christ. It pleases God. Next, uh, next, next praise. It pleases God. Here's number two is offered continually. It's offered continually. You know, the Jews had only certain times a year that they would sacrifice to God. When it, they, they, would, they would wait for these festivals and they'd wait for a certain time and then they would worship God and they would offer their sacrifices. But a sacrifice of praise is different. A sacrifice of praise is not something that you offer just at certain times. It's something that you offer year-round, non-stop, continually, without ceasing. Get in the habit of praising God every day of your life. Always be looking for a way to praise God. When you put the book down and you open the book up and it goes to the right page that you wanted or it lands on the right chapter that you wanted, praise God. When you drop your iPhone, but you catch it with your phone so your phone doesn't break, praise God for it. Just find a way to praise God continually throughout your day. Number three, praise that pleases God is a sacrifice of praise. Is a sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? That means it's praise that costs you something. It's praise that costs you something. It could be a cost of your time. It could be a cost of your effort. Maybe in your busiest time of the day, you find a way to praise God. It could also be finding a way to praise God in a situation that did cost you something. Finding a way to praise God in an illness. Finding a way to praise God in a loss. That's a sacrifice of praise. It's praise that costs you something. And it's praise that God loves. Finally, the praise pleases God is the fruit of our lips. It is the fruit of our lips. Audible praise pleases God. Can you praise God silently? Yes, you can. But if you want to take your praise to the next level, it needs to be audible. It needs to be where you can hear it. It needs to be where God can hear it. It needs to be where your neighbor can hear it. It needs to be where the devil can hear it. Samuel was taught this and he lived it. God loves to hear you sing. And he honored God by pleasing him through his worship and praise. Second part of point number two. <clears throat> Honoring self means I will keep self as the one that I please. Honoring self means I will keep self as the one that I please. Eli's sons were focused on themselves. You know, so at first glance, you might think that Eli's sons were the bad guys. 
and that Eli was just the victim, pleading with his sons to do the right thing. But just like Samuel learned worship by watching his parents, the sons of Eli learned what they learned by watching daddy. Because when we look a little closer at the life of Eli, the only person that Eli cared about was Eli. He was the only person that he cared about was himself. It turns out, after all, after all it turns out, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. See, Eli was a very large man, and, and, and there was a reason for that. Because with one breath, Eli would condemn his sons and tell them they're doing wrong and they shouldn't be doing that. And then with the next breath, he would sit down at the table and eat the meat that they stole. Meat that was acquired by going against the law of God. He might not have committed the robbery, but because he partook in their spoils, he was just as guilty of it. A prophet came to correct the high priest Eli. Listen to what that prophet told him in 1 Samuel 2.29. Wherefore keep ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefs of all the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. You see, Eli had a double accountability. Not only was he accountable as their father, but as the high priest, he was accountable as their boss. And neither as his dad, neither as their dad, neither as the priest would he correct his sons. He wouldn't do it. Why? Because he preferred them over God. He preferred his sons over God. If he'd have been more afraid of offending God and less afraid of offending his sons, he would have corrected them. He would have done something. He would have done something about it. But those T-bone steaks and those ribeyes and those sirloins and, and all that good stuff. Maybe they, maybe they killed a youngling and they had that good Angus beef and it was 80-20. And man, something like that's just hard to pass up. Because of that, he chose to honor himself by pleasing himself instead of God. As a result of this, God took his life and the life of his sons. You know what? Sometimes we justify our sin by reasoning with ourselves. And we say, oh, you know what? I really like listening to that. You know, I know it's got some curse words in it. And, you know, I know, you know, it's not the best thing, but it's got some, it's talking about some bad things. But you know what? I just really like it. Oh, I really love him. I really love him. Oh, I know he's not saved. And I know, um, I know he, we don't have the, he, we, you know, he, he's an unbeliever, but I can change it. I really love him. Or it's my favorite show. Oh, I know some of the, some of the, some of the, you know, they got bad language and I know they got some questionable characters on there and I know the characters on that show were pushing agendas and, oh, it's a really funny show. Uh, you know, who cares that they got two guys married and they got an adopted kid? Oh, but it's really funny. You should watch it. It's really funny. We justify our sin by reasoning with ourselves. And we say, oh, well, it's not that bad. God understands when the truth is the Holy Spirit has already convicted you of it and you're denying the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit through conviction has already told you that it's sin. Don't live to please yourself. Live to please God. Don't do what pleases you. Please God. 
Because you can be pleased through pleasing God. But if you just please yourself, God can't be pleased. Number three, God honors, I mean, honoring God involves an acceptance of life's challenges. Honoring God involves an acceptance of life's challenges. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 18. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth good. I know some of you are melting. I'm going to try to get through this very quickly. But you know, the Lord had called out to Samuel three times. He had called out to Samuel three times and Samuel had got up each time and went to Eli and said, Eli, what do you want? And Eli said, I don't want anything. Go back to bed. It took three times before Eli finally realized that it was God that was speaking to Samuel. Maybe it took Eli so long to realize that because it had been so long since God had talked to him. But Eli looked at Samuel and said, look, the next time you hear the voice, you say, speak for thy servant heareth. But in the morning, I want you to promise me you're going to tell me everything God told you. Samuel went back to bed and, that, and, and, and God's voice called out to him again. And Samuel, he, he spoke out and he said, speak for thy servant heareth. And God began to talk to Samuel. God told him some things about Eli and Eli's sons that were pretty hard and pretty rough and pretty tough. Samuel went to bed and the next morning he woke up and Eli said, Samuel, you promised me, you promised me, you tell me what, the God, what God said, tell me what the Lord told you. Now I'm going to tell you right now, breaking that news to Eli was not easy for Samuel. It was not easy. Regardless of Eli's personal life, Eli was Samuel's pastor. Eli was Samuel's preacher. Samuel looked up to him. He looked up to him. He had sat in revivals where Eli had preached the roof off the place. And, and, and you know, uh, maybe Samuel had even imitated his favorite preacher, Eli, from time to time. <coughs> Yet Samuel didn't hold anything back from God. He told him everything, anything back from Eli. He told him everything. Why? Because he was more concerned with honoring God than honoring man. It was hard, but Samuel did it. It was challenging, but Samuel saw it through. He faced it head on. He did not hide from it. He did not run from it. He faced that challenge. Second part of point number three, honoring self may give lip service to obeying God, but that's all it is. Lip service. You see, Eli gave lip service to God's instruction, but he didn't give real service. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto Israel and how they lay with women at the, uh, that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Name I sons, for it is no good report that I hear ye make the Lord's people to transgress. Oh, Eli said something. He spoke up. He said something to him. Hey, y'all are stealing from people. Y'all are having orgies at the church door. This is wrong. You need to stop. It's a sin. He was telling them. He was telling them they were messing up. But was that enough? Well, let's see if God thought it was enough. 1 Samuel 3.13 For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. 
Eli spoke to his sons about their sins, but he honored God because he didn't do the, he didn't honor God because he didn't do the job of restraining them. Maybe someone is listening this morning and you're giving lip service and you're claiming you're dealing with a hard situation, but in reality, it's just lip service because you actually have no intention on dealing with it. You have no intention of it. You think that if you ignore the problem long enough, it'll go away. And that is just not the case. You cannot get rid of a problem by ignoring it. God is saying, Christian, you have to deal with it and you have to deal with it the way I want you to deal with it. I put that situation in your life so you have an opportunity to honor God in me and don't just give me lip service. Don't say you're going to do something and then do nothing. Our response to God is, no, God, I want to deal with this situation how I want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it the way you want me to deal with it. That doesn't honor God. That honors yourself. Yes, it's an uncomfortable situation. Yes, it's unpleasant. But God put that situation in your life for an opportunity for you to deal with it God's way in a way that honors God. And sweeping it under the rug, you're putting yourself above God. What does it mean to honor something? Honor means to make something important. It means to give something weight. If we make light the things that God told us are important, then we dishonor God. This is the core of dishonoring God. There was a commercial back in the 70s and 80s. And there was one phrase that was repeated all the time. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. This idea of honor is that when God speaks, I give his word weight and I listen to them. When God speaks about my family, I listen. When God speaks about my mouth as it pertains to gossip and slander and foolishness and filthiness, I listen. When God speaks about the gathering of believers into his house, into his church, I listen and those words are important. When God speaks about my possessions and what I should do with them, I listen. And if you honor God, he will honor you. Because Samuel valued wisdom and the ways of God and the very word of God, God honored Samuel. Samuel didn't let any of God's words fall by him. He caught every one of them. Now look what God did for Samuel in 1 Samuel 3.19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. For them that honor me will I honor. There was a man, his name was Eric Lydell. Eric Lydell, he was a runner for Britain in, the Olymp in several Olympics. Eric Lydell in 1924, uh, he, uh, he was in the Olympics. Now, later in Eric Lydell's life, he would actually become a missionary. But in 1924, he was going to run for, the Britain, for Britain in the Olympics. His best event was the 100-meter 100 100 dash. That was his best event. But he was saved, and he was a Christian. And he found out that the qualifying race was going to be on a Sunday. So he didn't, he didn't go. 
Now, he did find out that the qualifying race for the 400, which is a race he wasn't that good at, was on a different day. So that's the one that he qualified for. He qualified for an event that wasn't his best. He wanted that gold medal so bad, but it was more important to honor God. As he's getting ready, as he's at the starting blocks, getting ready to race for that 400-meter dash, a, a man came up to him and slipped a piece of paper in his hand. Eric Lydell, he opened that piece of paper, and on that piece of paper was written these words from 1 Samuel 2.30, Those who honor me will I honor. Eric Lydell raced that day and set the world record in the 400 meters. For them that honor me, Will I honor? Who are you honoring today? Are you honoring yourself or are you honoring God?